2: there are times as a pastor where I get to introduce somebody to our stage that I just from our stage that that, uh, that is familiar to our church that's family and I just get to welcome them back. And then there are times when I get to introduce to you somebody very new to the church. He's not new to me. For the last 13 years, I've watched uh, Venture and Paul Herkman from a distance. I was exposed to their ministry when I was a Chi Alpha missionary and would go to retreats where Paul would give breakout sessions. And what he does is absolutely Phenomenal. He's the executive director of Venture and I'm just telling you, you don't even know what you're in for today. It's going to be amazing. This past week I was watching their gala. And as I'm watching the gala and listening to some of the videos and some of the people who are sharing their testimonies of lives that have been impacted by venture, I'm literally crying. And so I'll tell you this. I I was more listening to it than watching it as I was driving. And on Highway 35 heading north, like there are just tears pouring down my face. I'm sure as I drove by people, they're like, come on, man, pull it together. What's wrong with you? Right. I mean, powerful, powerful, powerful. And I'll just tell you this, Venture is going to the places where nobody wants to go. They're going to the most difficult places on the planet, and they're reaching the least reached people, those with the little access to the gospel, and I'm very, very grateful uh, for them. In watching that gala video, one of the ladies shared this. She said, I've been to villages where there's no church, and they are without hope. But with Venture, where there are worship communities, it fundamentally changes the way the village functions. There's data that supports that the villages have been transformed because of the work that they've done. And so today we're in for a treat. And I just want to tell you one more thing that will let you know what kind of treat that we're in for. Paul Herkman turned down the opportunity to do the Green Bay Packers Chapel today because he had already committed to come to our church today. That's the kind of guy and the kind of integrity that he has. Paul, we're so grateful for you. So we're going to watch a video real quick to see some of the stuff that they've been a part of. And when that's done, would you join me in just giving him the warmest welcome ever as he comes to the stage?
1: Good morning. I'm excited. Now, if you're a guest speaker, you got to start out by saying you're excited or you're honored. Um, So that's kind of, let's get that over with. But what what I am excited about, first of all, I've been uh, a fan of Jonathan and Erica for a while. Um, Erica actually sent, I don't know if you know, but your uh, first lady is an author and sent a book to my wife. And uh, the best book you can ever read is the book that you read the moment you needed it. Your book was that for my wife, so thank you. Uh, I have been watching this place online for a while um, and have been excited to get here. And then last night, after we went out for some really good Mexican food, Pastor Jonathan brought me back here. And he's walking me through the building. And and if you've been here for a long time, you might not know this, but this place is incredible. This building is so cool. And he's walking me through it. I'm like, that's great. That's great. I'm wishing my family could be here because the kids would love the kids area. I've got five kids. You can see it on the screen. Uh, My kiddos would love the space there. My three littles would love being with the kiddos. And And then he took me to the youth room. And I just said, shut the front door. This is... I'm not kidding you. It was, that place is so cool. If you are a youth and you don't go to youth group, I got to question your IQ, okay? Because that place, and then I met uh, Pastor Madison. Incredible, incredible work. And so walking into this place when you've only seen it this way. So when you watch online, all you see is this. And I walked in here and I took a picture. And besides the building being really cool, I walked through last night. And I'm walking through this morning, and there is something, okay? If you, in a room like this, we all represent a whole broad spectrum of where we're at in our spiritual journey. But if you are feeling something, that is that God has a plan for this space in this moment. And I am thrilled to be here. I love that I'm here on a Kingdom Builders weekend because um, what Kingdom Builders represents is... uh, One of the more powerful, unlocking agents to what it means to be a part of God's kingdom, to what it means to be a part of this good design in Genesis, there is this word when God's designing in the Garden of Eden, it's called tov. When he says that something is good, it's tov. And tov means that there's a design, there's an order, there's a plan. And he says it's really good. And then we get to the Second Testament about good news. And uh, I keep thinking that this place represents good. There is a design, and I don't know how you had guts to buy a building like this, because I'm guessing it was not so Tove when you bought it, um, but this, this is good. This is really good. I woke up this morning, and I was reading the news uh, after I prayed, of course, because that's what you have to say. Um, I was reading the news, and um, there's a gentleman that died yesterday, and he was the inspiration behind the movie The Terminal with Tom Hanks. I don't actually remember much of the movie, but it's Tom Hanks, so I I feel like I'm not going to lose. I feel like it's got to be pretty safe to talk about a Tom Hanks movie. Um, But this movie was about a guy trapped in an airport, and the guy that was the inspiration to this movie was an Iranian refugee that lived 18 years in an airport, never left. And then as I'm reading the article, he eventually left in like 2006, but came back and was living back in the airport when he died of a heart attack, like chose to go back. And here's what I would say to you, wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, you're not meant to live in an airport your whole life. Like, there are keys to unlock. There is a world out there and kingdom builders, and the Great Commission invites us to unlock. Even if you've been a Christ follower your entire life, if you've walked in and you're like, I feel kind of stuck. I feel like I'm walking through stale air. I feel like I'm walking through a place where every once in a while, ooh, Cinnabon. But that's all that I really have. There is a world Out there, and this morning we get to talk about what it looks like to kick down the doors of normalcy, of average, of just kind of status quo into something far more beautiful. That video. Uh, there is an image at the, at the end of that video of a gentleman being baptized in. In our tradition, that represents the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It represents hope in the places where we serve. It represents radical life change because they're hearing something they've never heard before. And as this gentleman comes out of the water, then the phoenix goes up. Unless you think I'm going to talk to you about Harry Potter, I'm not, okay? The phoenix actually was adopted by the early Christian church as a symbol of the life and resurrection of Jesus. And the, the phoenix is a symbol. It's this majestic bird that flies around for 500 years, and then at the end of 500 years, poof, up in a ball of flames and comes crashing to the earth. But that's not the end of the story, because the phoenix rises up out of this pile of ashes, stronger and more beautiful than ever. You sang about it this morning where we said, up from the ashes, hope will arise. This, this is the picture of the phoenix. It's been our symbol since the beginning of venture, and it is our story this morning. Whether you are connected to venture or even are connected to Crosspoint, if it's your first time, our mutual story is that we can rise up stronger than ever, regardless of your week. Rec- regardless of your finances, regardless of of your family situations, regardless of the choices that you made um, or choices that were made against you or for you, whether you are excited because you just got back from youth convention and Micah Mack blew your mind, or whether you're somebody that came struggling in this morning, our mutual story is that we can be a phoenix rising up stronger than ever before. I see the picture of the phoenix. I see this idea of of rising up stronger through our international partners. One of the things that I know is the most beautiful pictures can come from some of the biggest piles of ash. And you have to articulate all those words or you can get in trouble. But our partners, we serve in some of the most difficult places on the planet. If I could take this room, and set you in the places where we serve. You would see incredible poverty. You would see villages where up to 70% of the girls are being trafficked. You would see places where people are told they are nothing and nobody can help them. But it's out of those ashes, when they hear the gospel, that they are rising up beautiful. Like Me Too. Me Too is a young 17-year-old girl who uh, lives in a region where she had never heard about Jesus. She was told that she was worth nothing. And a Christian from a nearby village uh, that serves with the organization that that we're a part of with Venture came and told her about Jesus. She said, this is the greatest story I ever heard. She became a Christ follower. At 17, she's like, I got to figure out how to tell other people about this. She goes to one of our partner pastor training centers. In nine months, she trains to become a pastor. And she heads back to her village. She goes to this village, this village where it's illegal to talk about Jesus. And she starts telling people about Jesus, and quickly, three families become Christians, and it's it's going like gangbusters, right? And the village witch doctor said, whoa, 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 if you keep doing this, we are either going to imprison you or kill you. And so what does she do? She keeps telling people about Jesus, and they throw her in jail. But jail isn't the jail like you and I know it, maybe sprawling concrete enclave where you have a little bathroom, a little place to sleep, a little place to read. It was a five-by-five-by-five box, wooden. No light can get in it. She had no interaction with anybody except for when they gave her a ball of rice with a pinch of salt once a day. The creatures were eating at her skin. She was beaten. But 30 days later, they let her out. And they let her out because they were afraid that the jailers were going to become Christians. I read about that in a book once. So she gets out. She has a permanent limp. And what does she do? She heads right back to the village. Witch doctor says, we will kill you if you say anything else. Today, there are 20 families that anchor a church there, and she is the pastor of that church. She said, I will plant a church or I will die. You have to understand that the phoenix is beautiful, and Me Too rises up stronger than ever, and you're a part of that story. Or somebody like Kamla, who more recently is a, a gentleman who's a pastor in one of the areas where we serve. It's so impoverished that he uses some of the meals that we provide to go to villages and share the hope of the gospel. It was two months ago that we got an email that said that Kamla was put in jail. He was put in solitary confinement. He was literally shackled, arms and feet, like at least what I picture when my parents would send me to like living history villages and the, uh, the pilgrims would, anyway, that's literally what they put him in. 54 days later, it was actually two weeks ago, we get an email from Kamla that he's out. 54 days of incredible torture and pain. He said one person came to Christ. That is the exact reason that all 54 days are worth it. You have to understand the power of the gospel to villages and areas where they have no other hope. And he's like, that's worth it. 54 days in jail for one person. Or like cuckoo. Cuckoo's in another region that we serve. I don't know why they always do two Two uh, syllables, cuckoo, me too, kamla. Anyway, cuckoo in this area, uh, about 18 months ago, there was a military coup in one of the countries that we serve. And this military coup took a historically unstable country and caused it to devolve into absolute chaos. Specifically, the military powers were targeting marginalized communities, marginalized communities, um, that specific ethnicities that we worked with. We had already been providing meals in these areas, but last year, we provided about 3.1 million meals to displaced people, IDP camps, internally displaced camps in this region. But as they were delivering meals and sharing the hope of the gospel, it became illegal and their lives were at risk. Earlier this year, three pastors were killed simply for sharing a meal and sharing the gospel. So we had to have a conversation as venture about what we were going to do, because now we feel like our feeding program that we are partnering with is putting people at risk. On top of that, uh, one of our main food distributors, a female, is at risk of other things happening because of an all-male military, what they would do to a young female distributing food. So as we prayed about it, we sent an email out to Cuckoo and we said, hey, we're thinking about uh, suspending the feeding program because of the danger that it's providing to you. She sent me an email, and uh, I'm sharing part of it with you, redacting some of the stuff that would put her in even more danger than she already is, and this was her response. I've kept this in my Bible and on my digital phone, but I will not run away from Yangon. I will never leave my people in trouble for the safety of me and my family. No matter how difficult it is, I will always be in Yangon for my people. This is my calling from God. It's my commitment to help my people as much as I can in this this is the part that gets me. Shouldn't we help more when people are in trouble? This is at the heart of the gospel. This is at the heart of the gospel. It's the whole gospel for the whole person. And I'm so moved by somebody, by somebody's like Kamla and Me Too and Cuckoo that are passionate about bringing justice to the unread. That in the midst of some of the most difficult situations on the planet, I can't even um, try to out-explain the level of danger that our partners are in, and yet in courage and in beauty, they talk about this gospel and they're like, we are passionate. We're passionate about bringing justice to the unreached. And when Venture talks about bringing justice to the unreached, we have a very specific area that we serve in. We talk about the intersection of the least reached and the least resourced. The areas that we serve least reached are places where there are less than 2% gospel witness. And that means less than 2% of the people have even heard the name of Jesus or the gospel. And this is what the gospel tells us, that there is a design, Tove, where everybody can thrive. That there is a di- design where everybody can thrive, and I would stop and I would say that's true in the areas we, where we serve, place where I live in North Minneapolis and right here in Waverly, that everybody in this room can thrive and be a part of the thriving of other people. So we serve where there is least reached, And then it's also least resourced. We serve in a specific circle where over half of the global population lives and it's the highest concentration of people that have never heard of the name of Jesus. And yet with over half of the global population, only 1% of all Christian giving goes to half of the lost people on the planet. And so it's specifically this intersection of least reached and least resourced where we serve. Pastor Jonathan, thank you for talking about the tough places because that's exactly what it is. These are some of the most difficult places on the planet, and that's where we feel called to go. And so we go into these places and we identify marginalized communities, and we address four different injustices as our inroad to share the gospel. We address injustices of human trafficking, refugee crisis, extreme poverty, and persecution, simply because of how somebody was born, what ethnic group they were in, or what they believe. And then we partner and we collaborate with local leaders in these areas, leaders that were born there, that were raised there, that understand the complexity of the situation. And we come up with immediate and long-term solutions to meet both physical and spiritual needs. And then we come back to places like this, to Crosspoint in Waverly, Iowa, places that share the DNA, the heart, that our calling is not just to live in an airport our entire life, but to kick down the doors for ourselves and other people and let everybody know that there is a design where we can all thrive. And we invite people not just to feel bad. I am not here to tell you stories just to feel bad about other people because they're not feeling bad about themselves. We're not just here to educate you or to move on your emotion, but to actually move us to action. As scripture invites us to, as the DNA of this house continually invites you to through kingdom builders and so many practical ways to step in and live a life that is more full than you could ever know, for you to know that it is our opportunity to rise up like a phoenix, that if you feel like you've been kind of rolling around in the ashes for a while, that this morning could be a morning for you to rise up stronger than you ever thought. And the results, the results are what you saw in the video. $45 million is hard to wrap our minds around over the last decade. If I could pick us all up, and if I could bring us to the communities that we serve and set you down, you'd look around and you'd see that $45 million means that hundreds of thousands of lives are radically transformed. 50 million meals means that communities that have been displaced by war and violence and conflict that are dealing with disease, that are dying of starvation now have meals so that they can rise up, their kids can get stronger, and they can pursue the future that God has created them for. When we talk about rescuing a thousand girls, on a morning like this, we'll have um, just over 500 people or more in these services. So twice that amount of people whose lives are radically changed, on average, if a young girl who oftentimes is pre-purchased, when she's in her mama's womb, pimps will come in and pre-purchase. On average, they are trafficked between the ages of 9 and 11 to be abused 20 to 30 times every single day, every single day, every single day. And I want to be sensitive. That's as much as I will say in a room like this, we have people that have experienced incredible pain in these areas. But the good news is that these 1,000 young women wake up in a warm room and they have full meals and they have education and they're shared the hope of the gospel. And when they wake up, they think about what kids should think about, what they wanna be for the rest of their life. So this is what we get to celebrate. We invested in over 1,000 different farming communities And I'm in the heart of Iowa. Y'all understand what it means not only to farm, but what generational wealth can happen when you are in control of your future. And then when we talk about 12,000 churches, while it is an honor to be in this incredible building on this morning, we're not talking about buildings in Sunday mornings where we're at. We're talking about worshiping communities, 10 to 30 people that are centers of transformation. They're the first on the scene to provide food and water to people desperately needing it. They provide education and development programming to kids who have been discarded and forgotten. They provide farming solutions so that families can pass on generational wealth. And they invite parents not to sell their kids. And they remind neighbors that we don't have to be violent against one another. And we say that there is hope in a design where everybody in the community can thrive as we work together. I know in a moment like this, I actually can play back all of the numbers that I just said, and it sounds like a lot, but they represent individual lives of transformation. Earlier this year, in one of the countries where we serve, where it's the statistical probability of someone coming to Christ in Saudi Arabia is greater than the country that I'm going to show you a picture of, they had three different mass baptisms and baptized 2,900 people. The heart of this house, your pastors, having been missionaries, can understand in the places that we're talking about, when it's statistically more probable for somebody to come to faith in Saudi Arabia, to have 2,900, that's straight up Acts stuff. And that's insider language if you're a Christian. That's a book in the Second Testament. This is what we're passionate about, bringing justice to the unreached. This is what you're a part of. You're sitting here and going, well, it's nice to hear these new stories. They're not new stories. there are stories. If you've given to kingdom builders, if you've invested in this place, or maybe you haven't yet, but you might, this is part of what it means to be a Christ follower. Being a Christ follower isn't just what box you check before you vote. It's not just where you go on a Sunday morning. Being a Christ follower is entering into a kingdom where there is a design where we are invited for all people to thrive. That's why we are passionate about bringing justice to the unreached. That's why we're passionate about meeting physical and spiritual needs. It's why we are passionate about a combination of community development and church planning. It's at the core of Kingdom Builders. Love this idea. What we do locally, what we do globally, and what we do for the future. The first page in that booklet, identifying 12,000 people within a 10 mile radius. That is powerful. And then you keep flipping through all of the ways that this house, the DNA of this house, wants to be involved. And maybe that excites you, or maybe you're like, I don't know if that's for me, it's for you. It's for all of us. This is part of kicking down the doors, not living in an airport, but being like a phoenix that rises up. Matthew 28, 19, it's called the great commission, not the great suggestion, but it's also not the great you have to or you're gonna go to hell. Okay, so in the spectrum, you have the great suggestion Eh, maybe you have the great have to or you go to hell little bit heavy-handed great commission commissioning a beautiful art piece of art commissioning a book commissioning a group of people to be a part of being a part of this beautiful design and it says all authority in heaven on earth is given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit teaching them everything that i've taught you and i'm going to be with you until the end of the age We see this, and if you're like me, maybe you grew up in a tradition where it kind of, you felt like it was weeding out, am I going to be a missionary? Am I not going to be a missionary? Am I moved by this missionary to give money? Do I not give money? This is not what this is about. This is not about what happens way over there in another part of the world. This great commission is about what we do right here. Every person in this place, what does it mean for us to go? It says, go into all the world. That is, in the New Testament Greek, it's Porathetes, 154 times. There's not some deep meaning to it. It simply means your posture, your direction, going towards something. What are we going towards? And so I'm going to give you three ways that all of us, whether you feel super spiritual like Erica, or you feel less spiritual like Pastor Jonathan, wherever you're at in the spectrum, okay? I mean, one's an author, One's wearing Adidas on the stage, right? Okay. So it's all right. No, it's good because you're helping the really, you know, broken people find a place. That's really great. Anyway, okay, I'll stop. (laughs) Wherever you're at, we can be a part. Really, I mean that. You don't even have to call yourself a Christ follower to buy into the fact that nine-year-olds shouldn't be trafficked. This is the great table of agreement that we can come to. You don't have to be a deep elder of this church to believe that children shouldn't die of hunger. This is the great table of agreement, and this is part of the great go. So here's three ways that you can go, and then I will do my best to land this plane. You can go in this community, okay? The Great Commission is not first about distance. It's not about if you get all the way to Nepal. It's about direction, Okay? It's not about how far, it's not about proximity, it's about your posture. It's about do you adjust your sight line to see brokenness around you, to see chaos around you, and are you willing to do something? And this church has created a ton of somethings for you to get involved in. I love, you can get involved in alternatives, you can get involved in the Christmas stuff, you can pack meals. You have created incredible ways right here for us to be a part of things. In the areas we serve, we talked about 2,000 churches being planted in three years. And the reason why it happens so quickly is because everybody kind of learns to do five things. And as soon as they get up to about 30 people, they're already planting another church because it's from hut to hut to hut in these agrarian societies. The five things you don't have to take notes is just pray and read the Bible, spend time with the lost, spend time with the poor, meet together, And train somebody else to do it. It's just five things, right? They're all in the Bible. It's not like gonna write some big book on church growth. It's just, it's what they do. And so the organization, I'll quit saying the organization, Venture, we, every morning, we meet together for prayer. And at the end of every morning's prayer, we are specifically trying to model what we're learning from the global church, and we're praying for those people that we know that still need hope. And my our president, uh, Ryan Skoog, was praying for his neighbor. The, the idea is we pray passionately, let the Holy Spirit do the work, which lets a lot of us off the hook because I'm not one of those that wants to just go knock on somebody's door and tell them they're going to hell, okay? So now, if you have that gift, great. I re- just would rather get up and pray. Um, so he's praying for his neighbor. His neighbor comes to him in the midst of covid in the Twin Cities, that was a thing. I know it's not a thing in Iowa, but uh, we were in this. Oh, y- y'all don't like that joke. Okay. Um, <laughs> my bad. Um, <laughs> they come in, they're like, Your kids are so well adjusted. Our kids are going off the rails because they don't have school or anything like this. He's like, Well, we have a faith community uh, that our kids are pretty plugged in. And so the neighbor said, hey, can I go to church with you? It's that easy. You just start praying, and they just knock on your door and invite themselves to church. So they go to church, right? And the after church, it's kind of that, ah, should we go out to eat? or? But it's COVID, so you can't. So you just have a quick conversation six feet apart. And he's like, how did you like it? And the guy, his neighbor says, that was some good expletive, all right? Nothing you could put on Crosspoint's website, although, man, <laughs> it's, it is a raving endorsement of the church when someone says that church is some good blank. but. So they go, they go the first week, then they go the second week, and then the third week's Easter, there's a salvation message. My buddy, you shouldn't do this, but opens his eye like this, looks down the row, and his neighbor raises his hand. His wife na- raises her hands, and the kids raise their hand. Wow. Wow. Going is not first about getting to Nepal. It's not about distance. It's about will you just position yourself It's not about proximity. What can we do right now? And maybe if you don't remember anything else about Kingdom Builders in this moment, what does it look like for you to pray for family and friends that you know as you head into the holiday season? Just pray. Okay, we're gonna go quick. You can go in your community. You can go through Kingdom Builders. Okay, Kingdom Builders, local, global, future. This this is something that you can believe in every story that we talk about. And I'm just telling you a few of our stories, just a handful But we represent on this stage a lot more than just venture. Convoy of hope, alternatives, things like Project Rescue, Priority One. Sam Johnson was here just a couple weeks ago. I'm glad uh, there was a little bit of a buffer of Pastor Jonathan between me and Sam because at least I got a fighting chance to (laughs) help you all out. Um, (laughs) But, I mean, incredible, incredible things. And then future, how you all invest in college campuses and future leaders and missions. This is not a hard sell. This is really obvious that our invitation to the Great Commission, we get to do this. You do not have to be locked down by your wallet, by your finances. You can be freed up. You may be walking around the airport of your bookkeeping book, which is redundant, uh, but you may be locked in that airport, and it is time for you to kick it wide open. And I'm telling you, there is freedom, especially when we think about the people that it's going to, and finally, you can go through your community, you can go through Kingdom Builders, and you can go through missions. I read in the booklet, The Heart for the House, there are missions trips, and I believe that God continues to call people to full-time missions in India, in Nepal, around the world. The heart of this house, no matter how long you have been here, long time, short time, is that we would be connected to the global church and what God is doing in this beautiful design. Because when we do, it changes lives and it changes communities. Like Hannah, watch this.
0: My parents
3: and village people work in the gravel pit. During rainy season, work is not possible since the shores are flooded. Many people go hungry from the little they earn from
1: selling sand. Therefore, people are compelled to sell their bodies.
0: In Nepal, there is a caste system. Brahman is the highest caste. And Badi are a part of the Dalit, which is the lowest untouchable caste. When I was small,
3: our friend and her husband lived near our house, and they would often come to visit. The husband told my sister
0: that he wanted to take her to visit our mother's birthplace in Ramgat. Instead, he took her in a tractor, where he drugged her to
3: make her unconscious.
0: He sold her for $30.
3: I started losing consciousness from the shock of losing my sister. So my father took me to the hospital in Nepal, Gunj.
0: When the doctor checked the
3: x-ray, he read the report that I was Badi. He then tried to rape
0: me. Later, I told my father
3: that my doctor tried to rape me. My father said, if we say something to anyone, they will not treat us. To whom shall we complain?
4: When I met Hannah, her ace was a crucial ace to be sold out in Delhi. And she has also had great fear that somebody will destroy her life. So it took long time for me to establish relationship and then I began to build relationship with Hannah, her father. I began to share my heart to them that in order to protect them, we would start hostel or home in Kathmandu and uh, give them education and when I shared this, they, they got excited. When I went to the hostel, the behaviour of the people there
0: changed me. After going
3: there, I learned what real love looks like, and the thing that changed
4: me most
0: has been getting to know Jesus.
4: In seven years of time, out of 700 people, 400 people have come to know the Lord. And today, by the power of the gospel, the village is changing, and the former trafficker who. Sold, Hannah's sister, is the pastor of that church. I'm very thankful to the Lord for venture because partnership is helping us to fulfill our daily needs in the hostel, in the schools, everywhere. And together, we are going to stop human trafficking in Badi people.
1: full disclosure that video is about seven years old and I continue to show that and tell Hannah's story because I get to talk about what's happened over the last seven years with Hannah. Uh, I can remember watching that and seeing that she wanted to become the prime minister and thinking not that it's cute like in a paternal way but maybe in a way where most kids want to be an astronaut or a doctor or a lawyer. It's just kind of something you say you're going to do and uh, when Hannah was in town actually just last month from Nepal. Uh, I said, hey, I heard you met, did you meet with the prime minister or the president? She said, oh, both. Um, and she said, I, I just bought the prime minister coffee. Uh, and she is now uh, the leader of the Nepali children's movement. She is, she's their leader. Uh, she uh, became the first body woman that we know of to not only graduate from college, but then also she came to the US where she was offered two full ride scholarships. Since then she has had two full books written about her. Um, she went back to Nepal because she had to go back. And she started an organization called HER, which is Himalayan Entrepreneurial Resources, where she is addressing human trafficking, gender-based violence, and feminine hygiene, all while doing church planting. And there are so many incredible stories about her literally flying to India, just an individual young woman going and rescuing girls. That would blow your mind. But she told this, this story with feminine hygiene. One of the things in the places where we serve is that far too many women don't know how beautifully God has designed their body. And the freedom that happens when they are told how their body is designed, what it is designed to function. They become some of the most passionate Christ followers and incredible community leaders that you can meet. And so Hannah starts this this organization called HER, and they, they um, train and deliver feminine hygiene kits. And these kits, uh, the last time she did a bulk delivery of about 2,500, and they were at their last stop. And they only had 300 kits left. But there was supposed to be 500 people at this event and she didn't know what to do. The good news is there wasn't 500 people there. There was 700 people there. And um, so she just told the sisters and she calls them her sisters. With every kit that they deliver, they share the hope of the gospel. They literally tell their testimony. And She just said, let's just start handing them out and promise that when we get to the end, we will go back to the distributor and we will send some more. And maybe you've read a book like this, but as she started handing out the kits, all 700 women literally raised them up. Physical, a physical representation of God's love and the miracle. 700, they had 42 left over that they got to bring to a teen pregnancy uh, center. And and here here's why I tell you that story, because first of all, God's in the business of making all things new. God is in the business of, of seeing people that don't feel seen and reminding them that they have immeasurable value. And he's also in the business of taking what we have and doing some crazy cool stuff with it. it would be easy for me to go, so now we're going to head into Kingdom Builders and just write your check, but what, what I want to say to you, what I want to say is, don't you want to be a part of those stories? That's the gospel that I want to be a part of. I've been on Facebook. We need a different gospel showing up. I've been in the polls. I've been in the city, and I've been outside of the city. It doesn't matter where you're at. We need a better version. I love this building because this is a better version. Y'all are a better version. What God is doing in the lives of people like Hannah and Cuckoo and Me Too and Kamla, just the four stories I chose to share with you this morning what he is doing, how he is partnering us with the beautiful work of the global church, we wanna be involved with that. What you all are doing, not just with the global church, but locally as we head into this holiday season, you wanna be a part of that. You, not just them, are a phoenix. This is your story and our moment to rise up stronger. I wanna be respectful of whatever ash pile you are in, but I wanna remind you that that is not your landing place the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus gives you a different story. As Pastor Jonathan comes up, I just want to pray over you. And you don't have to bow your heads or close your eyes. I was reading Psalm 67, which is like this mishmash of the priestly blessing meets the Great Commission. In Psalm 67, we believe it's David says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The people would have known that prayer. It's a priestly blessing. May his face shine upon you. And then it says, so that the nations will know. May the Lord bless you and keep you in this moment that he sees you in this moment so that the nations will know his name and so that people like Hannah and her family and all the people that she touches would know that there is a design where they can thrive for his kingdom and his glory. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.